athletic competition. It can easily be broken down into two parts. The minutes or hours it takes to complete the event. Then weeks, months, and years of joy or heartbreak. Finally, the decades to analyze and debate it. From the press box to press row, Donald Ware will break it all down for you with an in-depth look at historically black college athletics, as well as the biggest news stories and newsmakers of the day. It's time to talk the talk with those who walk the walk. From the press box to press row, here's your host, Donald Ware. You are indeed tuned in to the Dopey Show on radio from the press box to press row. I am your host, Donald Ware. Will people stop comparing and saying that this the, the 76ers and the Celtics rivalry is back? It, it's not back. This is a good series. There's no question about it. But to compare the likes of Simmons and Embiid to Irving and Malone is just ridiculous. And I'm not saying people are making those comparisons, but I mean, listen, it, it, it's a good, it, this is a very good series. There's no question about that. But those battles back in the 80s with Dr. J and and Larry Bird, remember, they got the throwing, they got the throwing hands back in the day. I don't know if it was a playoff series, but just in regular season games. I mean, those were real series. Now, this could potentially, and then and, and then it's hard to compare with the Celtics, some of the Celtics players. I mean, you're talking about less Kyrie Irving, and you're talking about guys that are just stepping up, but that just goes, that just shows the level of coaching. Brad Stevens is an excellent coach. He just goes you to show. I mean, you're you're without you're without star players, and they're getting it done without star players. And I mean, that is just remarkable to me. So it's you can't even compare any of those guys to Bird and Mikhail and Johnson and 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 Parrish. You know, even Ainge. I mean, those were some really good rivalries in the '80s and some really really good Celtics teams but we're going to talk a lot of NBA playoffs today here on the program as game three of the Celtics and the 76ers shifts back to Philadelphia and game three of the Cavaliers and the Raptors I shouldn't say shifts back it shifts to Philadelphia and then game three of the Cavaliers and the Raptors shifts to Cleveland We'll also talk a little bit about the other series that are going on, the Jazz and the Rockets. What a surprise win by the Jazz, I mean, uh, in game two at least. And it was, you know, I I mean, I definitely thought and think, of course, I believe that Houston's going to win this series. But the Jazz are, you know, the series, I mean, the Jazz are right there. There's no question about it. And then the Pelicans and the Warriors, well, you know, the series is what it is right now, but the Warriors definitely going to win that series. And, you know, Steph Curry coming back in game two and just having a great game and, you know, just him being back and getting his legs, his feet, et cetera, up under him. Um, I mean, boy, uh, Golden State is definitely a handful. Got a whole lot to get to today here on From the Press Box to Press Row. Joining us on the program, as a matter of fact, 
Grambling head baseball coach James Cooper going to join us today on the program. The Tigers 22 and 20 on the season. And they got a weekend series in Houston against Texas Southern. And this is for the right to be Western Division champions. The Grambling Tigers are the defending Western Division champs and the uh, the Tigers of Texas Southern trying to take that gr- that crown. And so we're going to talk um, some baseball. Is James Cooper also is he had been as a matter of fact um, he is now part of Team USA Baseball. He's going to be part of the coaching staff of the 16 and under crew. And so James Cooper going to join us today here on the program. Another National Football League draft is in the books, and once again, the numbers are low for HBCU players in terms of being drafted this year. Only three players were drafted. You had Darius Leonard taken in the second round by the Indianapolis Colts in the third round, the first pick of the third round. As a matter of fact, you had Brandon Parker, who was taken by the Raiders. And then in the sixth round, you had Trenton Cannon, of Virginia State, the running back who was taken by the New York Jets. So all three of those young men were boxed to roll all Americas, but all Americans. But you know, the, the the numbers are down. The numbers are down and they've been down as a matter of fact. Last year only four players were taken. The 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 but it seems like the draft positioning is up. So last year we had two players um well we had one player that was taken in the third round, two players taken in the fourth round and then a player taken in the seventh round last year was Chad Williams in the third round. Um, and then also in the fourth round, you had Tariq Cohen and you had, um, boy, the young man's name is escaping me. The Colts um, drafted him. The kid from Albany State, the big kid, um, was drafted by Albany State. Uh, Grover Stewart, that's his name. Name was escaping me there. He was drafted in the fourth round. Actually had a, a, a solid season for the Colts last year. Made 23 tackles, didn't make any starts, but he played in 15 of the 16 games for the Colts on last year. But, you know, we're seeing that the numbers are down, and this has been a trend um, when it comes to HBCU players. If you look back at 2000, um, go back to the year 2000, there were 13 players that were taken in the National Football League draft. Since 2000, we have not had double-digit players taken in the National Football League draft. As a matter of fact, if you look back since 2011, there have been a total of 15 players from HBCUs that have been taken in the National Football League draft. But if you look at opening day rosters from last year, there were thir- I think there were something like 34 players that were on opening day rosters, less than half of those players were guys that had been drafted. Furthermore, a couple of those guys have been in the league 10 years. Antoine they drafted back in 2006 by the Colts, went on, by the way, went on, has gone on to start every single game that he's played in. His first year was an integral part of that Colts team that won the Super Bowl. He started um, at one of the safety positions. Then you have a guy like a Dominic Rogers Cromarty who was drafted in the 2008 draft by the Cardinals, and he was the last first-round draft pick of a um, of a last uh, HBCU uh, former HBCU player that was drafted. In the first round, I think the last second round draft pick now, now I was well, the la- so the last second round draft pick 
if my memory serves me correctly, would have been in, speaking of guys that have been in the league 10 years or, or longer, Justin Durant was drafted. I believe he was part of that 2007 draft, and he was drafted by the Jacksonville Jaguars. He was the last second-round draft pick, if I'm not mistaken, although you can look at some second-round draft picks. If you remember back in that same 2006 draft where Antoine Bethea was drafted, also drafted was Tavares Jackson out of Alabama State. And remember, Minnesota moved up in the draft to get him in the second round, another second round draft pick that comes to mind, Rasheen Mathis, who had an outstanding career, uh, most notably for uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars, just retired more recently. And, and, and so I, I invite you to log on to our website at BoxToRow.com. BoxToRow.com, I talked extensively. I wrote a piece extensively and talked about how you have a situation where HBCU players obviously have the talent. There's a lot of talent in HBCUs. You can you can tell that because, again, if you have 34 players on a roster and less than half of those guys, so it's like they don't want to select HBCU players per se. And, and, again, I've always said this. We talk a lot of HBCU sports on this program. I think it's even more so – a smaller school deal, if you played at a smaller school, school, they're less likely to draft you or draft you lower than you probably should be. I know a lot of people, uh, a lot of people had their eyes open, their eyes opened wide when the Colts selected Darius Leonard. But I'm going to tell you what, Darius Leonard is going to be, I'm going to, listen, he's going to be a guy. That is going to be a really good player in the National Football League. I mean, I would venture to say that he's was a first-round talent. I'll go as far as to say that I think Darius Leonard was a first-round talent guy. Nobody was going to pick him, obviously, in the first round because many, many eyes would have opened, just like the eyes opened. I think when you go back, if if again, this is going back some almost 11 years ago now when Dominic Rogers cromarty was selected out of Tennessee State. You know, he had the speed. He was definitely a first-round talent, but anytime from a smaller school, and in this case, an HBCU, you pick a guy that's a, that in the first round, a lot of people are going to look at you sideways. I think Darius Leonard is a first-round talent. He's going to have a first-round type of career. It's going to have an immediate impact on the Indianapolis Colts. So, again, go to our website, BoxToRow.com, BoxToRow.com. I talked extensively or wrote extensively about this and to this point we have a number of guys that have signed free agent contracts um you know if i look at this free agent contract list i mean i think one of the guys that definitely is going to make a squad martez carter uh, of the washington redskins i mean if you if you think about it the redskins sort of depleted at running back although they they did draft the uh, Geist kid out of LSU. I mean, I think that was a good selection by them. But I think Martez Carter has an opportunity to make uh, to make the team. I'm um, just looking at some of these other guys that um, are on this list as well. I mean, I think a lot of them have an opportunity to make the team. And another standout would be, of course, Danny uh, Johnson, at uh, who was formerly at Southern who participated in the combine, who was part of that, uh, you know, that senior bowl. And uh, also the Redskins um, signed him as a free agent at corner. And the Redskins definitely need some help at the corner position. 
always want you to participate here on From the Press Box to Press Row. Hit me up via Twitter at box to row B-O-X-T-O-R-O-W. If you want to talk about or have a comment with respect to anything I talked about, and while you're there, also follow us on Twitter, B-O-X-T-O-R-O-W, or on Facebook, B-O-X, the number two, R-O-W. Thank you to all of those listening to us on all of our outstanding affiliates around the country that carry from the press box to press row. And we have a whole lot of affiliates, as a matter of fact, that carry from the press box to press row. Giving a shout out to KTTP in Alexandria, Louisiana, and those that listening to us in Alexandria in that area. Maybe you're listening to us um, in Louisiana, Sports Talk uh, 97.7 out of the Monroe Uh, Grambling area, Ruston, North Louisiana. Maybe you're listening to us there. We go as far um, all the way to to Oklahoma. Those listening to us on KALU-FM. Just thank you uh, for making From the Press Box to Press for a part of your day. Those listening to us on Sirius XM, channels 141 and 142, and especially our truck drivers uh, that are that drive up and down the East Coast, West Coast, cross-country. Thank you for listening to us on Sirius XM, channels 141 uh, and or 142, and those listening to us around the world at BoxToRow.com. So, uh, again, going to talk some NBA playoffs today here on the program got plenty of nba playoff talk on the program also happy cinco de mayo and the music that you're going to hear on today's program are going to be is going to be reflective of chicano artists as we celebrate cinco de mayo on the program also still to come here on from the press box to press row family head baseball coach james cooper we got more from the press box to press row on the other side It's Donald Ware, host of From the Press Box to Press Row. The biggest names are guests on Box to Row. That is the voice of Kevin Durant. Oh, yeah, well, I'm just, you know, trying to get better every single day. You know, um, we've been through a lot as a team, and I enjoy playing with a great group of guys. Hey, this is Ronda Rousey. This is Michael Vick. Hi, this is Layla Ali. Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Skylar Diggins. Hey, it's Alex Morgan with the U.S. Women's Soccer Team. I'm talking about none other than Serena Williams. Oh, thank you very much. Thank you. That was definitely one of the better matches I've ever played. I've had it just like that. You know, I was really focused, and I was really um, ready and serious, just really, you know, excited. Missed any of these interviews? Then check us out online at www.boxtorow.com. That's from the press box to press row. Real. Relevant. Radio. You're listening to From the Press Box to Press Row. Yeah. This is for the Rasa Still to come here on from the press box to press row, Grambling head baseball coach James Cooper. The Tigers looking to defend their SWAC Western Division crown, and they're going to have to travel to Houston to take on Texas Southern, who has the lead right now. And the Grambling Tigers going to have to do some work to try and defend that SWAC Western Division crown as the Texas Southern Tigers in the lead 
right now as the SWAC Tournament Baseball uh, Championship set to begin on next week. Um, before we talk some more NBA, a couple of other things that are going on in the world of sports that we need to get to as David Fistel named the head coach of the New York Knicks. And I mean, the Knicks, the Knicks are just a mess right now. I mean, they, they started out, it seemed like it may be a season early on in which the Knicks could make the playoffs and then Porzingis goes down and it was pretty much over from there. And I don't know, can, can Fisdell, I mean, Fisdell's a really, really good coach. You expect Porzingis to be back, but will he be at the level that he once was? I think we all assume that you get these ACL injuries and you're able to kind of come back maybe even better. And that's just really the assumption. A lot of times that happens, but then a lot of times it may take, you know, nine months for a guy to come back. I think if my memory serves me correctly with Porzingis, this happened somewhere around December. So I don't know, you know, he may not quite be, you know, 100% ready once the season begins in October. And, and, and really the season begins towards the middle to latter part of October. So will he be ready to go? You know, what will the Knicks do in the offseason? That's the big question also. Um, you know, good luck to David Fisda. I mean, that's all I can really say right now in terms of, you know, what, what's going to happen this upcoming season. you got to figure that the Knicks are going to be players in the off season, but you know, what does free agency really look like? I mean, LeBron James, obviously the biggest free agent, but what does it really, really look like in the off season? Could they make a trade? Uh, you know, a lot of different things uh, could happen, but the way that the Knicks roster looks right now, yeah, you know, good luck to David Fisto, but he's an excellent coach. Um, it's got a great personality. He's going to be a really good fit, I think, in New York, but he's got to win. I mean, you've had, you know, some decent coaches that have come through New York, but just because of the climate and the way that the Knicks organization is right now, um, you know, maybe Fistel is that guy that can definitely be able to get it done. Ichiro, Ichiro, and that's a, that's about it, at least for this season for Ichiro, who had uh, re-signed to come back with the Seattle Mariners and uh, has had a, a, a phenomenal career, a Hall of Fame career. But is this, in fact, his last season? His agent says he's not retiring. He um, is um, has retired probably. You know, he's only batting 205. He probably was, you know, forced out. He's going to be in a special assistant uh, in the organization. But his agent says this isn't his last year. So have we in fact seen the last of Etrio, an older guy, uh, really good player, obviously, and a player that's going to be in the baseball hall of fame, but Ichiro, um, as at least for now has retired and is taking a special assistant position with the Seattle Mariners. Also, uh, a really good series in the NHL. Well, took a couple of really good series. As a matter of fact, Winnipeg, and Nashville now tied at two apiece. Nashville on the verge of going down three games to one comes up with a big victory on Thursday to tie that series at two games apiece. And you remember the Predators sort of swept us away 
if, if you're an NHL fan, they were sort of the talk of the NHL on last year, especially when it relates to the playoffs and, and, and the run that they were able to make and the excitement surrounding Nashville. It's a smaller market, not in the South. It's not, you know, South is not really a hockey area per se. I mean, you've had some teams that have had some success. The Lightning have had some success um, in the Southeast. The uh, boy, the, the Hurricanes here in, in Raleigh and North Carolina are just absolutely awful to be quite frank with you they haven't they made the playoffs they won the stanley cup in 2006 i believe the next year in 2007 they made the playoffs they haven't made the playoffs since 2007 it's a good fan base it's an the the fan base here is very loyal as a matter of fact to the hurricanes where the hurricanes haven't necessarily reciprocated that to the fan base. I mean, you haven't made the playoffs in 11 years. They have new ownership. The ownership is making some moves that uh, has been questioned here locally. Um, for instance, they they get rid of a guy like a Ron Francis. I know people in, in this area know Ron Francis, but if you don't know Ron Francis across the board, he's a great player here for the Hurricanes, um, became the general manager, was actually demoted earlier this season and then ultimately was fired this earlier this week so ron francis is out um the hurricanes just an absolute mess uh to be quite frank right now hockey not it's it's it it, it, the teams in the southeast just haven't obviously haven't been as successful i mean you, you know it's really hard to compare quite frankly you have you know the detroit red wings and you know some of these organizations that have been around for a long time the teams in canada and then you know obviously some uh some other teams have been around much longer up north the islanders um uh the, the rangers i meant to even say more specifically uh as well but um the Predators, boy, they're right in good position, tied this thing at 2-2. Two to two. But the real big rivalry in the NHL right now is the Caps and the Penguins. And might I say, as a Washingtonian, and of course we have an affiliate in Washington, WHUR uh, 96.3 HD2 is our affiliate in Washington. This is the time of year, it's been the time of the year, the last couple of years, where um, the, the 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 Washington sports scene has sort of been decent. You have the draft and the, the Redskins, a byproduct of the draft. Although I must say this year, it, a pretty good draft class for the Redskins. I got to say, I mean, a pretty good draft class for the Redskins. I remember I, I mentioned a little bit earlier getting the running back guys from LSU. They get Deron Payne, the defensive tackle up front. They sign a couple of HBCU guys two free agent contracts, a solid draft, the uh, the Nationals playing decent. And then, uh, unfortunately, for the Wizards, uh, for Washington fans, the Wizards just uh, fell. But the Capitals right in this thing, and they actually took a two games to one lead over the Penguins. And then game two, or, or game four, which was in Pittsburgh, the Caps fall to uh, Pittsburgh three to one in that game. It was a game in which the two best players in the NHL, uh, Sidney Crosby of the Penguins and then Alex Ovechkin of the Capitals, neither of those players got a goal uh, or got not a not even a goal in this game. They, neither one of them got a shot on goal. And 
this is a really, really good series. It's become a great rivalry. And if you're a Washington fan, the Caps got to be able to get over the hump. You got to feel like, okay, it looked like this was going to be another disappointing playoffs for the Caps, perhaps because they went down to Columbus two games to none. They ultimately came back and swept that series, lost the first game of this series to the Penguins, and then won two straight before falling. So this is going to be an outstanding series. And, hey, we also got an affiliate in Pittsburgh in WGBN. So this is a really, really great series between the Caps and the Penguins as Game 5 is going to be played in Washington. I leave that game is on Saturday, so what an exciting series that's been as well. Let's talk some NBA playoffs, Celtics and 76ers. I, I, came, I came to watch that game or started watching that game on Thursday. I, I, I turned, I couldn't believe that the Celtics were down by 22 points to the 76ers. Even at that time, um, the Celtics were, were they were going at that time, I think, back and forth with baskets. And then Robert Covington took three straight three pointers, made two of those. He finished that game with 22 points. He had a pretty solid game, as a matter of fact, because he did not play well in game one. The former three time box to roll All-American out of Tennessee State had a pretty solid game. Twenty two points, knocked down a number of threes, but more importantly, played some pretty good defense in that game. But then you just saw where the 76ers were at home. They fed off the crowd. Again, I mentioned a little bit earlier, I mean, Brad Stevens has just been able to get the best out of his players, the best out of the least, if you will. And, and, and to be able to go out and, you know, get his guys to, in fact, be able to come out and, 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 and be able to perform um, in that manner says a lot about him. Because, again, you don't have... Kyrie Irving. I mean, I think that's a pretty big deal, but he's got some players that can play veteran players like Al Horford, who had a really good game. We talk about Embiid. Well, guess what? Down the stretch, the veteran Al Horford schooled Embiid a couple of times. And you know the thing about it, I thought coming into the series, I, you know, remember when I said a couple of weeks ago coming into the series, I thought the 76ers, I didn't know how they would fare in the playoffs. It depended upon the team that they played. And I thought when they played the Heat, I said before, before they played the Heat, I thought they could beat the Heat, but it had if had it been another team because of how young they were and inexperienced, even though they had a lot of really good players, young players most notably in Embiid and uh, of course Simmons, that I didn't think it would bode well. And now we're seeing that when you have really good coaching and some veteran leadership, some guys that have a chip on their shoulders, that the 76ers um, have gotten down and haven't been able to respond. I want to talk more about this series. Also, Toronto and the Cavaliers on the other side after this small pause for the cause. This is from the press box to press row. Let's keep things going here on from the press box to press row. And we're going to talk some baseball in his ninth season as the head baseball coach at Grambling is James Cooper. The Tigers are 22 and 20. On the season, a weekend series in Houston against Texas Southern with the Western Division crown of the swack on the line. As James Cooper joins us here on From the Press Box to Press Row. Coach Cooper, welcome back to the program. How's it going, Mr. Warman? Thanks for having me. Absolutely. A big series for you all. But I want to start here because you got some great news a couple of months ago. As a matter of fact, you're going to be part of the coaching staff of USA Baseball for 16U. How excited were you to, in fact, 
uh, hear that you would be part of uh, USA Baseball in the 16 and under uh, group? Man, just getting that opportunity to participate, you know, with Team USA was, I thought it was a long shot, you know, man, but I'm thankful for the people that, you know, recommended me and considered me. Uh, You know, I'm thankful for all the coaches that I've had to, you know, come through in my past as a baseball player and also as a coach because, you know, without those people on both sides, you know, that I just mentioned, you know, I wouldn't be blessed with this opportunity, man. And, you know, I'm just a kid from Cullen, Louisiana that's, that's living a dream. Yeah, very, very exciting news. I mean, so what what made you decide to, in fact, um, throw your name out there to uh, to be able to get this opportunity? Well, see, that's the thing. You know, it's not like there's a, an application to fill out. You know, they actually come looking for you. So, you know, I guess, you know, being recommended, you know, by some people and then also, you know, doing a fairly decent job at Grambling and trying to win some games. You know, and having some guys drafted here in the past has given me the opportunity to go out there and be on that platform. Yeah, what do you remember? It's interesting you mentioned being drafted because you have had several guys over the nine years that have been drafted. What do you remember about your days at Grambling as a good baseball player and then you ultimately were drafted as well? I remember those days, man. I wish I could go back to them. You know, those were some of the best days of my life, but... You know, it was a struggle back then. You know, it was certain things that we didn't have, you know, facility-wise. But there were certain things that we didn't have with apparel-wise. And, you know, I'm doing everything that I can to make sure that these guys have things, uh, you know, a, a whole lot more easier to obtain than, you know, than it was than when we was here. And whenever I, you know, I ultimately leave this place here at Grambling, I hope that I leave it in a better place than I was when I found it. And, you know, we've been able to do that by, you know, getting the right student-athlete in here. You know, we've been able to do that by getting those facility upgrades and locker room upgrades and apparel upgrades. And, uh, you know, this is a lot of hard work, man. You know, I remember those days like it was yesterday. You know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't change up on the world. If I had to go back and do it all over again, I would leave it all the same. The beautiful thing is less than 10 years after your playing days at Grambling, you ultimately became the head baseball coach. And, again, I, I mentioned that this is the ninth season. Does it feel like it's been nine seasons? Does not, man. You know these these years are kind of flown by, um, and I know I'm still relatively young. I know there's some guys in this in this game that's been around a whole lot longer than I am. Uh, but you know, like like year, I don't know, man. Like like four, five, and six, like they just really seem like a blur. You know, those are the years I kind of really don't remember, man. But you know, I never forget my first one, and uh, and, and I think we're gonna have a year to remember this year as well. James Cooper is the head baseball coach at Grambling. He joins us here on From the Press Box to Press Row. The Tigers have a weekend series against the Tigers of, of course, of Texas Southern. So if you look at the record, it it would indicate just a couple of games over 500 and up and down season. But again, you're amongst at the top or near the top, you're in second place right now, but you're trying to overtake Texas Southern for that Western Division crown. Your thoughts on the season to this point? Well, I think it comes down to the teams, that's, the two teams that's been playing the best on our Western side between us and Texas Southern. Uh, and this is, you know, you, you want something, uh, anything that's worth having is going to be hard to get. So, you know, we have to go on the road and, and pretty much win all three games to you know, retain the crown that we had for being Western Division champs last year. And we got to go take it from a team that's in first place. We got to go take it from a team that, 
won a SWAC championship last year, and they have a group of guys that's been in the SWAC championship game three consecutive years, and they've won two of the three these last three years. So it's not like we're going up against a cupcake to go out and take it. Uh, and then also, you know, you look at the fact that, you know, both teams have uh, a, a ton of guys that's at the top of the conference, you know, statistically. You know, we have some of the best hitters on both teams on our side, you know, some of the best pitchers and also some of the best defenders. So I think uh, anybody that's out in the Houston area that wants to see some really good baseball play, I think they'll be in for a treat to go watch us play Texas Southern this weekend. Sure. How much does it help that you took two of three uh, from them a little bit earlier in the season at your place and then even though you lost to the, the you want to win those midweek games, right? Like you, you definitely want to win those. You want to compete in those, but they're not as important as the conference games. So also in that same vein, how important is it that you took two or three from them earlier in the year, meaning Texas Southern? And what do you take away from that 16 to two loss against Louisiana Monroe that can perhaps help you in this game or this weekend series against Texas Southern? Well, well, to talk about that loss, like the thing that we can take away is if, if it does not matter who we play, if we don't pitch well, we're not going to give ourselves a chance to win. And, you know, we didn't execute some pitches with two strikes in the first inning, and they were able to generate some runs. They put some good swings on some bad pitches made by us, but that's what really good hitters and really good teams do. They get a chance to square those balls up. And I think we had two innings like that that really burned us in that game. I know one inning they scored seven runs, and another inning I believe they got five. Uh, and, and, and that was like a huge factor in the game. Like if you could take those two innings off the board, then of course the score would be, you know, four to two. But, you know, four to two is a whole lot more reasonable. And then it also is a whole lot more, uh, it, it gives us a chance to kind of get back in the game. You know, you get two runners on and you're one swing away from taking a lead if the score is four to two. But, you know, that didn't happen because of the mistakes that we made pitching wise. And when you talk about those midweek games and then also, you know, beating Texas Southern two out of three, uh, playing a really good, tough midweek opponent, and then also being Texas Southern two out of three really kind of gives you confidence going into the next time you play them. But, you know, we could have we swept them all three games, but, you know, things didn't work out in that order. You know, we allowed the game two to get away from us after we had a 7-1 lead in the fourth inning. Uh, more bad pitches were made, and when you're playing really good teams, like I mentioned before, you know, they make you pay for it. Uh, but, you know, even though we won two out of three, Last time around, you know, that's not going to have any bearing on the outcomes of the games this weekend. The team that wins the series this weekend or the team that sweeps this weekend is going to be the team that makes the most plays. And and we have to make plays with our bats, with hitting the runners in scoring position. We have to make plays defensively by making a routine play. And, of course, we have to make plays with the, with the pitches that we make and making quality pitches and staying out of the middle of the plate. James Cooper is the head baseball coach at Grambling. He joins us here on the program. But so before we talk about personnel, I want to ask you this, because in looking at your team, I'm looking at uh, Rafael Ramirez, the third. I mean, this kid has hit 14 home runs. So then I go to the NCAA Division One statistical leaders page and I'm like, yeah, he's going to have to be at the top right now. He's tied for 14th. So obviously the 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 game is a little bit different, because if you had a kid on your team that hit 14 home runs once upon a time, I mean, that was, you know, that's that's almost akin to like 40 home runs in Major League Baseball. How much has the game changed since you played? Oh, it has changed a lot. Um, you know, now nowadays, especially at the big league level, 
you know, everybody's talking about this launch angle baseball uh, where these hitters don't want to hit the ball on the ground. These hitters are trying to hit home runs. And, of course, when you're trying to hit home runs like that, that's going to create a lot of swing and misses. That's why strikeups are, are extremely high nowadays because, you know, some teams are playing for the three-run home run. You know, they're not trying to generate runs, whether, you know, you get on base, you get them over, you get them in, or you sacrifice to get them over, or you try to steal the base and get them over. Those teams are playing for the long ball. Uh, you know, on, on the, the, the pitching side of that nowadays is you have so many power arms out there. There's so many guys on so many big league teams that can run it up there from 96 to 100 miles an hour. And, and it seems like every big league club has some no-name guy you haven't heard about until he gets into the game and you see that he can throw it that hard. And that's another reason the strikeouts are up. Um you know, and, and at our level, you know, you mentioned a kid like Rafael Ramirez. You know, back when we played, uh, you know, we had the aluminum bats, you know, the live bat era. And, of course, with, you know, a lot of injuries to high school and little league kids for, you know, line drives, they try to decrease that, that injury rate. So, you know, we dialed the bats back with the BB core, and now you don't see as many home runs hit throughout the course of the season like you did back in the days when I played. Uh, but, you know, with a kid like Rafi Ramirez, who has 14, and then also Richard Ortiz, who has 10, if we can get on base with those guys, it's going to put us in a position to score a lot of runs this weekend, especially since we're going to a small ballpark at McGregor Field where Texas other plays at. Yeah, and what is it? You mentioned the two guys, Rafael Ramirez, 14 home runs. Richard Ortiz has 10. Ramirez slugging 794, which is fourth rank in all of Division One. Baseball. Another guy that's playing very well for you, Marshawn Taylor, is eleventh, uh, as a matter of fact, in Division One baseball in terms of average batting four oh two. Talk about what he's meant to this lineup. Yeah, he's done a lot for our conference, especially you know being a transfer, uh, being a kid that was drafted out of high school, uh, being a kid that participated in the ACE program out of Chicago, which is a well-respected baseball program for high school students. Um, and, you know, just getting a kid like that in our program who was first team all swag last year, all tournament team, hitter of the year, newcomer of the year, player of the year, uh, uh, first team, all region. Uh, and it's some other award. I can't think of what the name of it is. But, you know, having a guy like that, you know, for two years in our company, has done, you know, it, it, it's worked wonders for our program as far as us winning. And then also on the recruitment aspect, because now, you know, he's opened up the eyes to former kids that are drafted out of high school uh, that's looking for a place to play. If they decide not to sign, that they can come here and kind of, you know, uh, reciprocate what he did. And, uh, you know, just looking at what he's doing in the conference and also on our team, man, you know, he's by far the best shortstop, I believe, in the conference and one of the best hitters in the conference. Uh, you know, and, and he's a guy that we need to have on base but when Ortiz and Ramirez come up to hit, uh, because with the way he can steal bases, he can help get those guys fastballs. Uh, and and now, you know, since he's a base stealing threat, you know, he can uh, make the pitcher not want to throw off speed because, you know, he can get a good jump and take the bag, which is going to help us get fastballs because that's what we really, really want to hit when we have runners on base. Yeah, no question about it. He's stolen 18 of 22 bases. James Cooper. In his ninth season as the head baseball coach at Grambling, joins us here. I'm from the press box. The press row, the Tigers are going to take on the Texas Southern Tigers in a three-game weekend series with 
the SWAC Western Division Championship on the line. Coach Cooper, we appreciate the time. Continued success to you and Grambling. Man, thank you guys for having us, man. We appreciate it. And I hope someone is hearing this that's very interested in Grambling State University baseball. This is a place where you can come and grow as a baseball player and grow as a man. You know, if you don't get a chance to get drafted and be a professional baseball player, we'll definitely put forth our best efforts to make sure you become a professional in whatever degree you obtain here. So I hope that gets out to the masses. And for the next student athlete, the next Marshawn Taylor, the next Richard Ortiz, the next Rafi Ramirez, Grambling State University is a great place to be. Come help us win some championships. Nice plug there by James Cooper, and that's what you're supposed to do. You come on a show, you you come and you promote the product that you have, and James Cooper has built a nice product there at Grambling as an alum of the school. Up next here on From the Press Box to Press Row, NBA Playoff Talk, 76ers, Celtics, and Raptors and Cavaliers. The radio program that's talking sports from New York City to Cali and globally on the World Wide Web. From the Press Box to Press Row continues after this. It's Donald Ware from the Press Box to Press Row. If I said I'm going to give you a starting lineup of Al Horford, Jason Tatum, Aaron Baines, Marcus Smart, and Terry Rozier, and compare that to a starting lineup of Robert Covington, Dana Sarek, Joel Embiid, J.J. Redick, and Ben Simmons, which lineup would you take? I probably would take the lineup that had Embiid and Simmons in it, but uh, and it wasn't just about the starters in this game. You're talking about some guys that came off the bench. Marcus Morris, listen, for the Celtics, he's been pretty consistent for the Celtics, a veteran guy, a guy who's been around the league. He's played well in that game on Thursday for the Celtics. He had 11 points. And then Jalen Brown, who they weren't even sure was going to play in this game, came off the bench and had 13 points. But it was really the play, you know, the play to me of Marcus Smart cannot be understated for the Celtics. When he was out, they missed him. So it was a it was a, ma- a period of time when not only obviously they didn't have Kyrie Irving, but they didn't have Marcus Smart as well. And so he's come back in the playoffs and he looks much more trim, much thinner. This is a guy that I think is very underrated because he can do a number of different things. He handles the ball well. He distributes the ball well. He plays pretty solid defense, and then he can also shoot the ball, and he's a pretty scrappy guy. And I've really seen his game really grow, especially the last couple of years. And I think, you know, his play cannot be understated, had 19 points in that ball game. But a guy that we are really seeing grow up right before our eyes and with all due respect to Terry Rozier, who has been just absolutely tremendous these last couple of games, a guy that has, uh, uh, you know, again, got, you're talking about Celtics guys and guys that are playing with chips on their shoulders. You, you, you know, Jalen Brown is one. Rozier is one. Everybody's talking about Kyrie Irving. They bring in Gordon Haywood and, and he goes down and then everybody's saying, well, the season is lost and, and the Celtics still play well. And then obviously Kyrie goes down. 
Rozier had a chip on his shoulder, and he came to play 20 points in that game. He's played well really throughout these playoffs and more specifically these last couple of games for the Celtics. But a guy that is growing up right before our eyes. And again, I talk about uh, 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 young guys with respect to the 76ers in Embiid and Simmons. Jason Tatum is growing up right before our eyes. You know, had a chance to see him play last year at Cameron Indoor when he was at Duke. When Carolina came to Duke, Duke ended up winning that game. And I think that game right there is where Jason Tatum began. He was a he was a good player, but he was sort of up and down to that point. Then he had a really good breakout game. And again, having a chance to really be right there and see him play, I'm like, that guy is a pro player. He ultimately declares for the draft, comes into this season, and has had a really good season, and is now stepping it up in the postseason. 21 points in that game, a huge dunk down the stretch. And let's not forget, even though the 76ers blew this lead and and the Celtics sort of came back. The 76ers at one point had sort of regained um, its uh, their their composure and, and was able to take the lead down the stretch before uh, the Celtics again regrouped themselves and ultimately won that game. Obviously, and also for the 76ers, if Ben Simmons only scores one point, that's not going to bode well for the 76ers at all. As a matter of fact, when he came out of the game is when the 76ers began to play better. They put him back in. They lose the lead and play worse. And you just chalk that up to one game. Again, a young guy. But, you know, it's it's sort of the difference between a Tatum and a Simmons. Now, in fairness to Simmons, he's asked to do a lot more. He's asked to distribute the basketball. He's asked to run the point, unlike Tatum, who plays off the ball. So you, you have a, 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 a Simmons who's asked to do a little bit more, and he's he seems to be a pass-first guy, but I think he's got to be much more aggressive. One point is not going to get it done for a guy that size. He and, and, and not only that he had the one point, it's not even about that. He only took four shots in the game. In, uh, listen. Simmons has got to have and not got to have it's on him because he's running the show. He's got to take more than four shots. I'd rather see him 0 for 10 with one point than 0 for four with one point. I understand he's he, he likes to distribute the basketball, but at some point, you know, you you know, I think he lost a little bit of confidence in that game, quite frankly, because of the way that the Celtics played him. And again, that goes back to good coaching by Brad Stevens. So this is a is a good series. This is the deal. It now goes back to Philadelphia. And I think it it, it becomes it, it becomes a little bit more of a different series. The um 76 is going to have that crowd behind them and I think ultimately they win game 3 on Saturday. I think ultimately that they win game 3 on Saturday because they're going to be able to have that crowd behind them. And, 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 and I think that crowd and that Philadelphia crowd is no joke. So I, I think, you know, it's, it is a must win game for the 76ers. No question about that down two games to none, but I think they get the win in this must must win game. 
and at least pull to within two to one. And then, of course, they have game four at home in Philadelphia on Monday. So anything can happen. But if they lose this game, then the series is over. Speaking of a series that is over, the Cavaliers and the Raptors, this series is over. The Raptors down now two games to none with both games in Toronto. And, you know, I mean, LeBron James has really owned the Raptors. You know, I mean, I wasn't overly impressed with the Raptors. I thought more than the Raptors defeating the Wizards. I thought more so, and and again, you know, maybe a little bit biased, but I thought more so that the Wizards had their opportunities to win that series. It wasn't your traditional 1-8 matchup. Obviously, throughout the course of the regular season, the Raptors were the best team in the East. But I think in retrospect, it was more so by default. Why? Because the Cavaliers weren't weren't whole. You know, they 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 hadn't found their identity per se. And now you got guys that are really stepping up. I mean, Kevin Love has sort of been up and down. 31 points on Thursday. I mean, as much as we can talk about LeBron and and, and him shooting 17 of 28 from the field, having a, a fantastic game, 14 assists, 43 points in that game, it's going gonna, it's gonna to take those kind of efforts by LeBron, but he's got to be able to have some help also. I mean, he can score 40 points, but if nobody else does their job, then it's a mute point. But when Kevin Love comes around and scores 31 points in the game, um, he's got to be key. He's been inconsistent, sort of a, a little bit inconsistent, wasn't inconsistent at all in game two on Thursday. 31 points. And and I said this again. J.R. Smith is the X factor for the Cavaliers. I thought that Kevin Love would have a good series. It's, my beef with Kevin Love isn't him in the playoffs. It's him in the finals. He's he hasn't been a, he, he wasn't available in 2015. For the finals, he was hurt 2016, 2017. He essentially disappeared, even though in 2016 he had a pretty good game seven. Even though he didn't score the points, he was more assertive, had the rebounds in that game. And ultimately, Cleveland ended up winning the championship over Golden State. But again, he he played well. And then another guy that I've been looking to play well, I mean, as a veteran guy, you know, is Jeff Green. He had to be more assertive. And in this game, he was 14 points in the ball game. But it's been the play of LeBron James, who has been absolutely spectacular. 43 points, 14 assists. But more so, even with that, you got to ask, where have the Raptors players been? I mean, you know, they have good players. I mean, it's a good team with a pretty good bench, but they don't have a LeBron James kind of caliber player. And then you factor in a Kevin Love who can pull, you know, his big man out, shoot the three, um, you know, shoot from outside and can still go down low and bang and get those rebounds as well. Um, you know, it, it, to me, the Raptors, it's a little bit of fool's gold. It's this great play during the regular season. And then ultimately in the playoffs, remember they had the two games to none lead over 
the Wizards or against the Wizards. The Wizards come back, win the next two games, and then blow um, essentially really both games, both games five and six, and ended up losing that series. And 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 to me, it showed that you know some of some of the weaknesses that the Raptors have, in fact, because I mean you know. I mean, this is still, to me, a Cavaliers team that isn't whole, meaning, you know, the, the guys that they traded for, Rodney Hood and, you know, George Hill and all these guys haven't really come to play per se. And they haven't really, um, you know, found a consistent level of player in their role on this team. But then it goes back to the guys that have been there before. Tristan Thompson. I mean, you go back to game seven against Indiana. He comes out of nowhere, hadn't even played the whole Kardashian thing. Maybe was in his head. Uh, he comes back to play, has a tremendous game and had a tremendous game, uh, really a tremendous game one. Not so much in game two, but they, he wasn't really needed. You know, veteran players. J.R. Smith's been there before. You know, Kevin Love's been there before. And, and, and those guys have really stepped up and played well for the Cavaliers along with LeBron James. He's just a spectacular player. And I think we're going to see a sweep at the games three uh, three and four come back to Cleveland. And Cleveland, I think, sweeps this series. Got to get ready to run here on From the Press Box to Press Row. Thank you to James Cooper, the head baseball coach at Grambling, for joining us on the program. If you like From the Press Box to Press Row, tell a friend about the show. Don't hide your feelings about the show. If you don't like the show, you know, tell us as well. Hit us up via Twitter at BoxToRow, B-O-X-T-O-R-O-W, or on Facebook, B-O-X, the number two, R-O-W. And always remember to support those that support you. From the Press Box to Press Row is presented by DW Communications. <laughs> 